Well, good evening. Uh, I have. Sometimes, and I, maybe some of you are like this as well. There are times that I, uh, I don't want to say wrestling with a thought because that, that might suggest that it's not clear or it's not, or I'm not sure about it. That's not the case. I want to, I still want to say wrestling because I am, I'm, I, I, there's a, there's a thought that's not brand new, but I, 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 I'm, I'm wrestling with it. I suppose the image is like Jacob. Why was he wrestling with that guy? That wrestling has a transformative effect on me, on us. When we take, when there's a thought or a, a, an idea in the, in the scripture that I, it seems, it's clear as it is. It's, I mean, it's just black and white and 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 red <clears throat> uh it's quite clear and yet there's just i don't know how else to say it, there's something more to it and so i keep saying things and repeating things about it and meditating on it and thinking hmm and i'm it i'm challenging uh, a little bit challenging i think you know we all have uh presuppositions and even if we don't think that we do we do we have quiet assumptions that become um, almost factual in our sub subconscious about life and about doctrine, and I think, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't even realize I think a certain way until I, that way is challenged by a new thing. Does that? I hope that makes sense. So, uh, uh, will if we haven't started tonight, Jeremy, wherever you went younger, we'll start tonight. Uh, the the if there's a title, and there is, we're gonna the title tonight. Jeremy likes to give a title so we can put it on the thing. Uh, it's, it's Jesus. The baptizer, okay? So let's say Jesus the baptizer. And uh, that's an intentional statement uh, because of, as compared to John the Baptist. Here's, here's the, the title is, again, Jesus the baptizer. The thesis is what we have said for the last two Sunday mornings. I've said, in it, I've said it in a sentence at least a couple of times because we've seen it in our, our Sunday morning study. But following Jesus, or being his disciple, is only possible, is only possible in, within or with vital contact with the Spirit. Jesus brings his followers into vital contact. I, I, I even like that phrase. Because it's a new phrase, it helps me think out. It helps me avoid um, uh, frame, my typical frames of reference that I tend to compartmentalize and then dismiss things quickly. If I were to say Jesus wants me to be baptized in the Spirit, I find that my frame of reference goes, "Oh yes, Acts two. Yes, I speak in tongues. Done and done. Compartmentalized. Yep. Next, I, I move on. I am no longer uh, cognitively, affectively, spiritually engaged in that concept because I filed it away. Got it. Check. Noted. Done. So as I'm journaling and writing and preparing for Sundays, I see these, this, what, we're, what we see in Matthew in this, this phrase, Jesus brings his followers into vital, that's life-giving, transformative, energizing, to vital, and, and vital also means absolutely necessary, contact with the Holy Spirit. And that, here's what I want to say tonight, that vital contact with the Spirit, that defines, as in 
makes, as in makes the, the definition of, that defines initially and then determines, as in energizes and governs in an ongoing way, it defines and determines discipleship. And I like to think that way because I know what discipleship is. As I've said it a few times in a few different rooms, honestly, by the end of tonight, I will have taught for 18 hours this week, so I forget where I am, but, or who I've said what to. But, and that's true, I really, a lot of things. But discipleship, where's Pastor Jim? I, we know what discipleship means. That means I've memorized some scripture, I've gone to a six-week class, and probably promised that I've picked up one to three spiritual disciplines. I'm a disciple, congratulate me, right? You, ta-da, you're a disciple. And, and but but that's but but there's there's that's not it that it's not reduced to uh some memorization of 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 something it's not cognitive it's not the accumulation of data or even the uh, the acquisition of certain habits that's not discipleship when i look here i see that discipleship is actually determined by and then it's defined and then determined by this vital contact with the spirit Which means a fresh challenge then is to say, to say again that to refer to Jesus baptizing us in the Spirit is it cannot be relegated to a denominational motif. It cannot say, well, that's just, that, that's a, that's a, and some people say, our, what does it say, our, our distinctive doctrine. Well, it, it's not our distinctive doctrine. It's a matter of discipleship. It's just, so it's it's vital. Let's so now that I'm 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 making the argument, but I'm feeling like either the either the wall in the room or the and what I don't understand. Let's let me just walk you through the scriptures so that hopefully you can feel as stimulated as me. Is that all right? Okay. So here we go. Everybody say Jesus the baptizer. At least you know where I'm going tonight. My, where we're going tonight is to take a look-see at the significance of, the, of Jesus bringing us into vital contact with the Spirit. And are you that for me? Aren't you thoughtful? Super nice guy. Aren't you something else that I have? Why, thank you. I apparently was too mellow, and so he feels I need more coffee. You seem a little subdued, Dav. Let me get you some coffee. All right. So our passage is on these Sunday mornings. Let's start with the book of Matthew. We're gonna, here's, look, here's, here's the deal. Here's in the book of Matthew how Jesus is introduced uh, by John the Baptist. John, it's starting in Matthew 3 and verse 11. We've known this. This is two Sundays ago. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. So uh, John is setting up hermeneutically, we would look at this and look at this in this hermeneutical little an- an analysis and see that what John is doing is he's going, to, he's going to prove a point or demonstrate a point by way of comparison and contrast. So we need to pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. We need to pay attention on what is he comparing and the contrasting. What is the same? What is different? This will tell us something that he is trying to tell us. Okay, so here he said, as for me, so John, I baptize baptized with water. I, John, baptized with water. What do we call that guy? Say it again. Why do we call him John the Baptist? Because he baptized people in water. That's what he did. I baptized with water, 
but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize. So now we have another person doing the same activity. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about Holy Spirit and fire, how I believe those are two eschatological directions. Okay? But I baptize you with water, and they're nodding their head. Oh, we get it. We, we come to you, we actually lean into your hands, and you lower us down into water. And that's that something, it's a, it's a confession, it's a rite of passage. We talked about all of what that means. We understand that it's, it's more of us, it's more symbolism. But, he, but the one who is coming, he is going to do that with the Holy Spirit. Could you, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm too excited, so we'll, I'll say it and then we'll come back and say it again. Could, would it make sense, how many of us are fairly familiar with John the Baptist by now? Okay, we know, we know him because we know his name. If I said John the Baptist, oh, we know that guy. If I said to you, yeah, I'm a follower, I'm a disciple of John the Baptist. I really, I mean, I really, I mean, I have his, like, his merch and his books and stuff, and, right? I'm a follower of John the Baptist, and you said to me, oh, oh, so, so you've been in the water. And I said, oh, no, no. No, it's not for me. And so I, I figure that's kind of for other people. I'm not sure it's for me. I'm not sure I'm in, into that. I mean, I like to follow him, but I'm not going to do the water. You'd say, well, you're not. I think you're missing the point of John the Baptist. I think you're missing the whole point. How can you fo- say you follow him, but you don't do the water? No, I don't. There, I know some people who go in the water, and I like them. They're a little weird, but I don't do the water. <laughs> well, then what are you doing? Oh, I just like his words. I like to listen to him talk about being baptized in water. Good word, John. Preach that. Water. I'll stay back here. That, no, no, we, that would be the opposite. That you're not a dis- are you following John? Are you following John? Absolutely not. You're not. It is, John, the, 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 the reception, the activity of being immersed in water is absolutely fundamental to John's ministry. Now, John said, in the same way. Now, I put those words in there, but again, what we see is that with, by using the, the, the comparison and contrast motif here, it means in the same way as I, that my whole ministry is defined by this, Someone else is coming, and his whole ministry, his whole ministry, what he's come to do is this. So just like to know me would be to submit to my this, to know him, to just to start following him. Just to follow him, to the definition of following him would be is to yield to his baptism. So, so, it, so it cannot be a doctrinal distinctive or an elective. And it cannot be a style of church service. Back in the day, we don't do it anymore. Now everybody does, everybody's cool. But back in the day, some of you know, I wasn't around, I didn't hear this stuff, but back a little bit before my day, what defined Pentecostal was if there were drums on the platform. Or a guitar. I remember some of my professors at seminary joking about saying when they had a, brought a guitar onto the thing, oh, we don't believe in Pentecostals, a guitar, you know. And they were talking about Jesus movement charismatics. So, 
But so this idea of, of being brought into vital contact with the Spirit is not denominational. It is not a doctrinal preference. It is not a style. It is not a statement of argumentation. It is not a sentimentality. And nor can it be relegated to an experience. Now, water baptism is an experience. It's a, we, there's only one time that we ever see anybody in Scripture dunked again, and that was the church in Ephesus, and nobody has given a good enough explanation. Oh, I've heard them all. I just don't like them. Why did he dunk them again? Uh, we don't know. He just did. We, honestly, I think he just did it because he didn't need to. But anyway, because they were already dunked. He's the only time. I don't even know why he did, but he did. doesn't matter. But water baptism is an experience. It's something that has happened to me. But spirit baptism, is, it's not like that because what we understand, again, as we said this morning, Jesus' anointing, it, it defined him in that moment and it characterized him, it governed him, it identified him from that point forward. So spirit baptism isn't something that I, that I do when I'm 17 at a camp and I have an experience and it must not absolutely be relegated or reduced to any one or two singular expressions of charismata. Oh, yeah, I'm spirit baptized. I speak in tongues. I've spoken in tongues. Have you? Congratulations. Is there anything else happening in your life? Are you following Jesus? No, I believe in the, I believe absolutely that the normative response of spirit baptism as demonstrated in the scripture is prophetic expression that is most normative, glossolalia. 100% believe that, 100% sold, couldn't convince myself otherwise if I tried. But I do not believe, I, we cannot say, oh yeah, spirit baptism, that's, that's, that, that's the tongues. No, it's discipleship. It's absolutely integral to everything. Even Isaiah agrees. Okay, so, so then look at the passage again with me. So he's, I baptize you with water, he will baptize you with the Spirit. Then we jump to verse 16 like we did this morning. And being baptized, Jesus came up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. So there, the, the, there's a connection. He, oh, he's going to baptize you with the Spirit. And then right away, we see this image of Jesus' experience with the Spirit. He walks through the waters of baptism. We follow him there. He receives the Spirit. We follow Jesus into that same embrace. And that is what makes us disciples and what de- determines our, deci- our path, our ongoing discipleship. But there's more. Just, just so that we see how this plays out. Go open now, flip over to the book of Mark. See, I got so excited, I kind of just said everything I wanted to say at once, but then I'll just keep blowing up with it. Uh, but this is kind of a thing that I'm thinking, Lord, this is powerful and important, and I, I know there's something that I'm supposed to be understanding and, 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 and affecting I, I, my, my role in my own life as a believer and how I'm trying to encourage my own church. I want to see my church where the, the, whole, the whole of our Christianity is, is an expression of the Spirit's presence in our life. That we are defined primarily as a people of the Spirit because this is what defines our discipleship. Okay, so in Mark chapter 1, the same, the same thing. The, uh, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
Then you look right away, jump just the next verse. In those days, Jesus comes from Nazareth, and he's baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, the spirit like a a dove descending. So these ideas again. John says, one who's coming is going to baptize, and then we, are, we see Jesus baptized. The same thing again in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16 is the same story once again that John the Baptist said, you understand me. He said, as, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming who is mightier than I, I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I baptize water. That's what it means to be my disciple. That's what it means to know me. That's indicative, definitive, determinative to know me. And in the same way, it's indicative to know Jesus. Determinative and definitive and determinative to follow Jesus is to yield to his baptism. Jesus is the baptizer. And if we don't let him baptize us, we are not following him. If we change, if we say our disciples just, is my disciple, I want to be a disciple. Oh, I want to just, all I want to do is acquire some knowledge, learn some moral rules, and enjoy some good music. Or I'm going to, or even try my hardest to live a good life. That's not discipleship. It's you trying hard. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 here. This is now John the Baptist. He, John, the, John the Apostle unpacks this a little bit more. One thirty. This is he on behalf of whom I said. He's talking about Jesus. After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. That is, a, that is John's nod to the pre-existent divine nature of Jesus. Beep, beep, beep. Could you mute my crazy thing before it happens again? That's cool. I, 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 you, you, I'm just going to tell you, should, in case you didn't yet, you should think that that's cool. Not the phone, but this part. You should think it's cool that John the Baptist, by the way, mentions that he's fully aware that Jesus, even though he's older than Jesus, that Jesus existed before him. This is John giving a nod to, our, to the divinity of Jesus Christ and that he, that he is pre, the preexistent Son of God. Thanks. Aaron thinks it's cool. You should think it's cool. It's good doctrine right there, okay? He, uh, he, he existed before me. I, verse 31, I did not recognize him, but that... He might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing with water. So again, he's saying my my baptism in water is symbolic of what he was coming to do. John's whole, I'll use the word shtick, but not not to insult him. John's whole shtick is, this is, it's a prophetic enactment, a prophetic symbol, sign of who was coming after him. And this is why I'm saying to you that it's challenging to me because I, I think I have probably been comfortable thinking, oh, yeah, John, he did the water thing, and, 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 I, and, here's, and it's true. But the, but the coming of the Spirit is a superior. I know that it's superior. And so I've dismissed it instead of understanding or bringing those things together to say, oh, I'm seeing that what John is actually saying is this whole thing that I'm doing is a prophetic symbol that you will understand what is to come. I'm showing you what he's going to do to you. 
And what this, and in the same way that it, this, this is the, an initiatory right, this is what's going to happen. This is why the one who is coming after me, why he's coming to do this. So here we go again. I came baptizing in water uh, that I might manifest to him. Verse 32, and John testified saying, I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and remained upon him. He is directly connecting Jesus' ministry of the Spirit to Jesus' experience of the Spirit. What I saw the Spirit do on him, I recognize he's the one who came to do that for you. Okay, there's more. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said, He upon whom you see. Everybody say, you see. He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for us not to see that John the Baptist understood that what he observed happened to Jesus in in the Spirit coming upon him, what he observed happened to Jesus is what Jesus came to do. What I I saw the Spirit coming on him, he's the one who's going to do that. What he received, the Spirit that he received as the rightful Son of God, he alone, he will be the one who gives gives that Spirit. Now, John uses the word baptize. Other other leaders will use the phrase, you know, pour out or gift or the promise and all of that, but it's all the same activity, that Jesus is the one who receives the Spirit and he has come so that everybody who will follow him, everybody who will name his name, he invites invites them to into union with him by the Holy Spirit. And it is this vital contact with the Spirit that makes us disciples and enables us to walk out our discipleship. Jesus, <laughs> I have this, what is those, what are those crazy tests they used to make you, they take for, to see how smart you're not? It says, and I have it in my notes. Jesus is to the Spirit as John is to water. And if you get that answer right, you get a hundred on your GED or whatever, your SAT. Okay. But there's that's this is this is the prophetic picture of what we're supposed to see. And why again? Why I think this is so important is because. The person and work of the Holy Spirit so often is either relegated to an unfelt, unexperienced doctrinal assumption that once you have once you have said any magic prayer, God the Holy Spirit has you have received all of the promise of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to have, regardless of any you're just supposed to know it and nod your head. And if you still are suffering and weak and can't even get out of bed and follow Jesus, don't worry, you still have you have all the power you need. Or you don't. Or there's more. On the other side is, uh, is, 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 this, is, is, is a compartmentalization of the Spirit to even our own, my own, growing up, that the, whole, that the baptism of the Spirit is, and people get so fired up, that He is only, almost only for power for service. He's, he's only a utility for you to be God's employee. What? What? No, 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 no. 
He's only, he has power for service. There's no, no relational dynamic. They almost get upset if you talk about enjoying him. Don't you just, nobody, don't you enjoy the blessing of the Holy Ghost? Just get out there and get your job done, boy. Now, I think we should get out there and get our job done. And I know that it is impossible to get any job done apart from him. But what I'm saying is we cannot compartmentalize the Spirit to power for service and no more. See, then then what happens is the Holy Spirit, His job is to make me a witness and no more. What we're actually saying is the Holy Spirit, His only job is to make me a more effective salesman for Jesus. But when I come home and take my salesman tie off, I live like I live empty and powerless and and discipleship is merely have I memorized my Navigators 2-7 series? Have I gone through my, my spiritual discipline measures? Have I exhausted myself? Oh, good, I'm a disciple. And Christianity has lost its salt and light and effectiveness. And then we have whole conferences devoted to, why aren't you witnessing more? And people are like, I don't know why. I can't figure out why I'm not witnessing more. You're not witnessing more because you are, first and foremost, not a disciple. Disciples don't, nobody had to tell one disciple to be a witness. Because witness doesn't mean salesman. It means evidence. And if you're following Jesus, you are evidence. There's a lot more. Let me say it again. So, so since, since John the Baptist's ministry is real, but it's also a prophetic symbol of what Jesus was going to do, then we have to come back and say, uh, how many of you here, how many here have been baptized in water? Some of you I know already have, right? Hello, this morning. Okay. Anybody else been baptized in water? Uh, you, how many times have you been baptized? A couple times, all right? Why are you looking at me like that? I thought you were looking behind me. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> 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 how many? You've been baptized? Twice. Twice. And I know why. Tell me about the second time. You remember it? Oh, yeah. Was it imaginary? No. Was it just a philosophical no. thing? What happened? Real. What happened? Well, I went under. Uh-huh. That's no more? Baptized. Yeah. Came out different. Yeah, well, you came over to my house. Oh, you want the story. Yeah, you got in my, gotcha. my, my stay classy with a K front yard above ground pool on McGilvery. I did? Yeah. Kind of leaned into one side, the pool was. Yeah, and then it was just, it was the end of summer, so it was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, what I'm saying is you remember it. You remember the, where it was. You remember the water. You remember getting wet. You sure? You remember getting the water on you and holding your breath. Anybody else got baptized in water? You remember? You, it, when did it happen? I don't matter. What happened? You remember getting wet? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You got wet. Did you go down? Yeah. Ray went down today, or uh, Jay went down today. Looked like I, I might have waterboarded him. He was coughing a little bit. I was worried about that. I thought, well, are you okay, bro? But he was just emotional, so that's good. Anybody else been baptized in water? Anybody remember it? So it was the thing you remember happening. It was a definite experience. John says, what I'm doing is, pro- is a symbol, a prophetic symbol of what Jesus will do. And again, if what, if what John did, water baptism, is something that we know has happened. No question. 
Has it, does, is anybody here not sure if you've been baptized in water? You know, I'm not sure if I, you know, like maybe you came to church and maybe you were baptized in water, but you can't really be sure. It's preposterous. You would know. You'd be dripping. The guy hugged me today. He said, I'm still wet. I said, fine, bring it in here. And he's hugging. In the same way, this baptism that Jesus came to give is something that we must know it's happened. It's, it's not a guessing game. It's real. It's, a, it's an actual experience that, that we are brought into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. Just say vital contact. Just if you, even if you don't like it, I love it. Vital contact. We are brought into vital contact with the Spirit. It's really important and life-giving. Wow. Now, so we've read in all four of the Gospels that the, the, every gospel, the intro, Jesus' introduction is as the guy who will baptize you in the Spirit. He, that's him. If you know him as someone else, I'll, I don't want to say something harsh like, well, then you don't even know Jesus, because you do. But I'm saying is that this is the way the Bible introduces him, as the guy who will bring you into vital contact with the Spirit. Now, after the ministry of Jesus, after, he is, you know, he, you know, after his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, this, this continues. Now, there's a lot more Bible that I could go through, a lot more. And, and we, as you know, every time I land on a verse, I get all worked up, and who knows when I'm going to stop, okay? So I, I don't want to do that to you tonight, because some of us have been here all week, okay? Okay, but so... You know this. I'm looking around where most of you at least know this, or you can write it down and look it up. So Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is answering. He is responding to the Jewish people that have gathered outside the upper room, and after, after declaring to them who Jesus is and that they should know for certain that God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ because of what, they have see, no, because of what they've seen and heard, that is the, the activity, the presence of the Holy Spirit in, on, on the church, this, the, 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 actually the, the, the pneumatological phenomenon that was occurring in the upper room was, was, was evidence that what they were seeing and hearing was evidence that God had made Jesus both Lord and Christ. And when they heard that, the people were cut to the heart and they said what? What must we do? And Peter's answer was, repent and be baptized that you might receive the gift of the Spirit. Not repent and be baptized and go to church, and then after a few years you go to a Bible camp, and then they'll introduce this subcategory, this elective class of Christianity for either the really excited, the weird, or the bored. Absolutely not. It was repent, believe, and and this is the initiatory right. This is the thing that Jesus has for you. The gift of the gift, the gift of the Spirit. I'm just going to talk to my mom. She's the only one who's with me. It's probably where I get all this. It's all her fault. <laughs> She'll text me later and say, sorry, I was so excited in church. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Once again, Peter is responding now to the council, to the Jewish council leaders, and they're questioning him about all of this. And he says it again, that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is Lord, he's raised from the dead, and that he is a witness of this. He said, we are witnesses of this. So is, everybody say, so is. So is. You've got to hear this, hear, hear, hear this verse 
in the line of what we're talking about now. We are witnesses of this, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. A long time, I think, a long time people will have said or do say something like this. Oh, the Holy Spirit is, is a gift to the obedient. Like if you, if you obey God real good, you get a prize. And I know these things, well, that doesn't sound right, except for I've heard that. I've heard it at kids' camps. Oh, the Holy Spirit only comes if you, you know, it's like he's Santa Claus. He has a list, and he's checking it twice. No, I've heard this, and that if you're really a good boy or a girl, then God will give you your spirit, his spirit. And so every little boy like me goes, well, I'm a good boy because my dad, my mommy told me I was one of the good guys, so I'm ready for this. The guy next to me, he grew up, he grew up in a whole different home life, and he's been told he's a carloader and have a son of a gun his whole life, so he just thinks, well, God doesn't like me anyway, so I'm not even going to expect, expect, expect that, and he's only seven. Imagine when he turns 27, 37, 47. So what does that mean, Obey. It just means that what the rest of the New Testament means when it says that. It simply means believe the gospel. To obey, it comes to the obedience of faith. God gives the Spirit to those who obey Him by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the act of obedience that Peter's referencing. Not how well you have memorized your Bible or how often you've gone to church or whatever else. All those things are great. I want you to do all those things and do them well. But... The gift of the Spirit is for, immediately for, those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is definitive and determinative of discipleship. The Holy Spirit is is absolutely necessary and totally sufficient for us to be disciples of Jesus. That, and that's, like, that, that's the sentence that I cannot escape. The Holy Spirit is totally necessary. No, no, no. Absolutely necessary. That's the phrase. Absolutely necessary and totally sufficient for us to be disciples of Jesus. Just because I said it wrong that last time, I'm going to say it one more time. The Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary and totally sufficient for us to be disciples of Jesus. He defines what it means to be a disciple. He defines it. What does he mean? It defines it because he's the first thing. He's not a thing, but that's my first embrace. I say yes to Jesus, and the first thing I must do is submit to his baptism, just like I would if I were talking to John the Baptist, because Jesus is Jesus the baptizer. He's the baptizer. Jesus the baptizer. Say it one more time with me. Jesus the baptizer. Now, there are more passages of Scripture. It's 720. And I, it's, if, we, if this were Sunday morning, I have 10 minutes. And then I have to be done. I've taken some liberties on Sunday nights. Okay. Uh, some. Okay. No, I, listen. People, I know. I hear you people that say, oh, go for it. Go as long as you want. There, I guarantee you, for every one of you, there's someone else in the room going, oh, God, I hope he doesn't. And they may be my dear friends. <laughs> Wrap it up, Dav. Camus is a long way away. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, but this happens again and again. If you want to look, look, just write some things down. In Acts chapter 8, verses 
15, 16, and 17. This is another passage. And oftentimes, we, we, this, these are passages that are used as proof texts, and they should be, for the fact that there is a sequential experience with the Holy Spirit after a confession of faith in Christ. Or, or there can be, or there needs to be something. But, but hear it again. So you have, you have a revival in Samaria. People are saved. They are healed. The lame walk. The blind see. Devils are cast out of people. Sorcerers repent. And everybody is baptized in water. That's pretty good church, right? And yet Peter and John show up, and the first thing they do is they begin to lay hands on those very people because as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. Now, as if I am saying, if I'm saying, if I'm my my one branch of classical Pentecostalism, that one branch is, well, see, they needed to be empowered for service. They had work to do, bless God. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. They had work to do. Okay? And nor, and nor was it Peter and John's traveling itinerant ministry of, oh, hey, listen, we've got, you know, they're not like the, the other side, the charismatic side of the Judaizers. Well, what you really need is this. You know, and it wasn't silly. It wasn't just an evangelistic crusade. I believe that Peter and John recognized that they, 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 they The Gospels, every single one of them, introduced Jesus as Jesus the baptizer. And if these people have come to faith in Jesus Christ and experienced and seen his power and repented and baptized in water, if these Samaritans, if they're going to follow Jesus, they must receive this spirit. Not just for works of service, not just for charismatic utterance, although yes and yes. You feel me? I'm all about, yes, yes, for go out there and, you know, we're in the world for Jesus. Yes, have prophetic and, you know, gifts of the Spirit in your life, 100%. There is, and I'm sorry, Gab, you're going to hear this, and I'll try to cover my angst for it when you're in the class, but there's an article in the class of, of, for Pentecostal spirituality by a guy, a guy wrote an article that the students are required to read and compare and contrast it with another one, and he's an AG guy, and he's the president of, of one of the colleges, He's a PhD in religion of some sorts, and he's a good guy, but he is essentially trying to make an argument that's not bad, but in the midst of his argument, he makes the assertion that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like on a list of spiritually forming events in our life, it's number nine. Now, I know you think, well, that's just crazy. It might sound crazy, and yet it is being, it is being repeated and copied and retaught in all of these classes. Now, I'm not trying to roll my school under the bus, even though I have challenged them on it. And I'm gonna, I'm just, the only thing I do is write the, the, guy, the author of the article and just say, you're wrong. But you cannot, I can't, you see, I, can't, I cannot connect. The, those, those ideas are as far from the east as from the west. Oh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is fine. It's good. But it's kind of like number nine on a list of, of spiritually forming things that can happen to you. Whereas the Gospels present Jesus as what he's going to do first and foremost is immerse you in the Spirit. That's going to define your whole discipleship and determine it from here forward. Peter and John come. 9.17, Paul sees the resurrected Jesus. So much so that he loses his sight and his appetite. Ooh, that was the first time I said that. It rhymed. I, someday I'll use that again. And it'll be good preaching. He loses his sight and his appetite. Uh, and, uh, and he loses sight and appetite. And he goes to pray some way, 
and, and, and Ananias, the Lord says to Ananias to go see him, and Ananias comes, and you know that they fuss and fight about it, and that's silly, but he comes, and Ananias comes in the door, calls him Brother Saul, which is great, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom you saw, has sent me to lay hands on you that you might receive the Spirit. Why? Because that is absolutely determinative, it's definitive and determinative to discipleship. You're, Paul, you, you might become an apostle someday, but before you are apostle, you are disciple. And if you're going to be disciple, you must be immersed in the Spirit. The Spirit makes you a disciple of the Christ. Yeah. Ah, that's it! I've been looking, I've been drilling and drilling and drilling, and there it is. If I'm going to be a disciple of the Christ, the anointed one, then I need His anointing to follow the anointed one. Oh, let's go home. There it is. Oh, thank you, Lord. There it is. You, that's, if, you're, if you're going to follow the anointed one, you need his anointing to do that. Wow, that was wonderful. So the Holy Spirit is, in the Scripture, introduced. He is the, he is the initiatory right in discipleship. Discipleship begins with him, necessarily. But he's also vital to our ongoing walk with Jesus. So he not only defines our discipleship, he, com- he completely energizes it. The energy of our discipleship is supplied from the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot more verses that I could read to you about that, but so that vital contact defines and determines and then energizes me as a disciple. It provides me. It is the, it is the energy, the, the, the divine spark energy, the working of the Spirit, the flow, the current of the Spirit is what carries me along as a follower of Jesus. That's not just good Pentecostal preaching or charismatic preaching. That is New Testament, central New Testament doctrine. Think with me. You don't have to turn there. You can write it down. Uh, but many of you have it in your head. At least uh, you should. So here's the deal. Galatians chapter 3. Paul, I'll just read it to you real quick. We'll get there. So Galatians chapter 3. Paul's writing to the church there at Galatia. And he's talking to them. Of course, we know he's rebuking them for abandoning the simplicity of the gospel. But listen to what he says in his correction. He says, this, only, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? He is actually talking to them about their born-again experience. Their initial entrance into the kingdom, according to Paul, when Paul introduces people into the kingdom, forgive me, he doesn't make the same mistake Philip made in Samaria. For Paul, if Paul's going to preach Christ, he is going to 1 Corinthians 2.4, he is going to preach Christ in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power so that your faith will not rest in the wisdom of man but the power of God. So Paul reminds the Galatian church, when I came, you heard Christ, but you experienced the Spirit. That was the initiatory right. The, the initial experience of your faith in Jesus becoming a disciple was to receive the Spirit. Pretty good. And then he's, and to understand that, verse 3, or to take it further, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? How do we begin 
by the that, and that, again, we're not talking about, I know people say, oh, that's kind of just an ontological, doctrinal, you know, obtuse kind of a non, you know, thing, ambiguous. No, there's no ambiguity there. It's real. It's just as real as I remember being baptized in water. Paul wouldn't have asked them that question. He didn't say, do you remember when I told you that you received the Spirit because you said magic words, you didn't know it, nothing happened, but you just know that I told you something happened? No. Do you remember that definite, genuine spiritual experience? It doesn't have to be the same for everybody. It can be as gentle as a dove on your shoulder. Doesn't have to be lightning bolts. Don't have to. Don't just. Some people might, you know. It's, oh man, I, God touched me and I laid on the floor for four hours. Great. There's no. There's no prescription for how you respond to the Spirit, but there, His coming into you and upon you for discipleship is real. So He says, having begun by the Spirit, how did they begin by the Spirit? He said, Do you now seek? Are you? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And the, that's, that, that's a, that's, that question is intending to rebuke them for saying, Hey, listen. What, what the spirit, the spirit, what the spirit starts, only he can sustain, and what he starts, he will sustain. And so, what is begun by the spirit must be perfected. It must keep on going by the spirit. Keep on going. What's that sound like? What? I have no idea what just happened. But, but. <laughs> We've got church Tourette's. Uh, keep on going. Are you now going to keep on going? Galatians 5, 16, just a few chapters later, Paul says, so I tell you, walk by the Spirit. The same Spirit that you, when you took your first step, is the same Spirit that guides you in every step. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What's that look like? That, that sounds like living like a disciple of Jesus. Walk by the Spirit. Oh, and I'll live like, live like Jesus and live for Jesus and not live by the gratification of the flesh. Romans 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit is the, the governing energy of discipleship, of following Jesus. Walk by the Spirit. Therefore, live by the Spirit. And if when the Holy Spirit controls your life, He'll produce these results. Galatians 5.22. Therefore, 5.16. Therefore, since we live by the Spirit, since He is our very life, let us also what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Romans 8, the whole thing. Whole thing. Just read it and go, yep. Spirit. 5.18, Galatians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians 5.18 forward. Paul says, be, be, do not be drunk with wine. <laughs> this is discipleship. This is discipleship. This is following Jesus. Do not be drunk with wine, which, is, which, is, which will destroy your life, which in dissipation or dissip, dissipation? It, it's bad. I read, you know, I guess why I got to stick with one, one translation because I get too many in my head. New Living, I think New Living says, that'll destroy your life. Do not get drunk with wine. There's, there's that direction. Instead, go this direction. How? What's, the, what's this direction called? Be being filled with the Spirit. And then he says, you know, giving, singing psalms and giving thanks. He's talking about that all of there's, there's all these participles that follow. But the truth is, the, 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 the rhythm of the passage actually is this. Be being filled with the Spirit. And that in, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks to the Lord. 
then it continues. The participles continue that tie right back to being filled. The participles are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's still an expression or a result of living under the Holy Spirit's power. Submitting is, is the participle that's connected to the main verb. You know that, okay? So submitting to one another. And then he continues and he explains family dynamics, work dynamics, all of that stuff. It, it, it's, what he's describing is discipleship. And all of it is lived from the empowerment of the Spirit. So it's definitive. It defines my initial entrance into following Jesus, okay? And it's determinative. It determines the, my, my walk, my ongoing walk with Jesus. It's very exciting. So again, I've said this already too many times in Passion Leak, but I wrote this down. So let's, here's what I said. So then spirit baptism is not an addendum for vocational aspects. It is not a denomination or a style. It is not merely about charismata, although, yes, I said, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we eagerly, to obey the scriptures, we eagerly desire the manifestation of the Spirit. Good, thanks. I was looking for somebody to say that's in the Bible, and we talk about that. We eagerly desire his manifestation, his pneumatica, things of and pertaining to the Holy Spirit in our life. We eagerly desire the expression of the Spirit in our midst. That's part of being, that's part of being a part of following Jesus, okay? Jesus was a... Uh, Strong's dad said Jesus was a charismatic prophet. We, that means that the spirit baptism is also not elective. It is not just an experience for some. That means spirit baptism is fundamental to discipleship. The Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary and total, totally sufficient to be Christ's disciple. To follow the anointed one, I must walk in his anointing. So tonight, how did I go? How long do we go? A long time? Don't, don't tell me. I told Aaron, oh, I just have a few words. Don't worry about it. I hope I've made myself clear, and I don't say, oh, yeah, you have, stop. What I mean is this. I don't want to mischaracterize the fact that I absolutely believe that we need the Holy Spirit's power to do works of service, to be, to be living evidence. I, but I want to also say I do not believe the Holy Spirit has come just to make me Jesus' salesman. He's come to make me Jesus' disciple. And as that disciple, I am evidence in every way, in, in my relationships, my obedience, my character, and in the manifestation of Christ's power. I am evidence that he is Lord. Discipleship. So my prayer is, Lord, just make us disciples. I really want, Lord, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want, to, I want to be an imitator. I want to live like a, like, a, like a little Jesus, a Christian, a little Christ. I want to be a Christian, a little Christ. I want to live for and like Jesus. If I'm going to do that, I understand that first and ongoingly, this is a result of the Holy Spirit's power, presence, governing my life. So tonight, I'd like to close by just encouraging you to say, well, what do we do? Well, I'd like us to ask again just for Jesus to bring us newly, renewingly into vital contact with the Spirit. How many believe there's always more? 
right? There's always more of God. There's always more of what God has for you. The the wrong answer is always, I've been there, done that. The minute that's your answer, just go home. You're done. You've been there, done that. You have, you've fallen out of grace. You've fallen out of faith. That's ridiculous. That is, that you need to repent. Okay? But if you're, if you're, if you're, whenever you hear, your heart should always say, yes, Lord, more. I lift up, what shall I do for all the Lord has done for me? I will lift up the cup, meaning, Lord, thank you for everything. My gratitude compels me to say, yes, Lord, more. I have a taste for nothing else but more of you. So, Lord, tonight, Jesus, we ask you again, would you bring us, your church, those gathered in this room, particularly, Lord, for Heritage Church, would you bring us freshly and ongoingly into vital contact with your spirit? Do you believe that? Do you want that? Would you just do something that expresses that? Stand up, jump up, fall down. I don't care. Kneel down. Would you do something? Say something. Do something that says yes, Lord. Water baptism doesn't happen. Think about it. Water baptism doesn't happen when I sit there and stare at the water. I have to submit. I got to move. I got to get in there. I got to partner with somebody. So that this is the idea. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight and ask that you would bring us afresh into vital contact with your spirit that we might be followers of the Christ we might be your disciples Lord let the current and the flow of your spirit wash over us and wash through us and carry us along as we follow you fill us with your spirit so we may follow you. Fill us with your spirit so that we may follow you. What do you do? What are, and practically, friends, here's just see that this is true. See it. Even use your sanctified imagination of Jesus literally immersing you afresh into his spirit. Believe that this is for you. Lean into this promise now and ongoingly. Expect that this is his idea, so there's nothing for you to earn. Just obey. Just say yes. He gives the Spirit to those who obey. Give him thanks. And intentionally, intentionally, intentionally rely upon the Spirit. Uh, let's just let's just do something. Would you pray with me? Come on, maybe stand, lift your hands. You can sit and lift your hands. I don't care. But somehow reach out with sincere faith. Talk to Jesus. He's the baptizer. Jesus the baptizer. If people are still watching over the live feed, I encourage you just to be filled with the Spirit right where you are. Just lean into God's presence. Let, him, let Jesus lay His hands on you tonight and immerse you afresh in His Spirit. Lord Jesus, for all of us tonight, come. Come and lay your hands on your church. Lay your hands on each one of us. Immerse us afresh. Bring all of us tonight into fresh, vital contact with your Spirit. Come, Lord.